Hey, thanks for joining us at Praise Chapel. We hope you enjoy this message from our midweek service with Robert Santiago. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. Amen. Uh, oh, thank you. You guys are clapping for Easter, right? It's right around the corner. No, I have the privilege of ministering tonight. I'm very excited. Um, it, it's actually, I, I kept questioning myself for about two hours, what am I going to preach on? And I realized, hey, I should probably preach on Jesus since, you know, it's kind of the reason why, you know, we're celebrating Sunday. So I have a message for you guys that I prepared Um, But before we get to that, let me just open up in prayer. If you guys would just bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we just honor and we praise you, Jesus. And we ask that you would just have your spirit in this place, Lord, that you would use me to speak your words, Father, that you would use this vessel to reach people, Lord, and that it would be your voice that they hear, Lord. And I pray that you would just take over this place in Jesus' name. Amen. And so um, I got the next hour and a half to get each and every one of you to speak in tongues into the microphone by, we, by the time we leave here today, okay? So that's going to be the, uh, the goal tonight, and if you do it, you'll get a sticker, all right? All right, I know. It's a little icebreaker, okay, guys? Chill out. Okay, so um, I remember when I walked into this church a long time ago, I, I received, I understood the vision kind of right away. Pastor Omar, I think he was preaching the first time I walked in, and he was talking about um, sending churches out and how that's what, you know, Praise Chapel was about. I got to learn about Praise Chapel and what it, it really signified and what their vision truly was. Um, I, I was already kind of, I was saved, not kind of saved. I was saved, um, and I was coming from another church in Northern California. That's where I was born and raised. Uh, but I was looking for a church that I was going to college here, and I stumbled upon Praise Chapel. And I remember walking into Praise Chapel, and I said, you know what? I like this church because it was very loud. And, you know, at the time, it was, it was, it was a smaller church, uh, but they were still rocking it out. You know, and so the worship was just like, whoa, look at all these young kids up there on the worship team. I think Omar was like, man, he was tiny and... Uh, Jacob was still in the, you know, nursery at the time, practically, so that just kind of ages me a bit, but um, I just remember, wow, you know, I I really like this church, I like the vision, and I was already saved, but I didn't realize, like, I knew about the Great Commission, how we're supposed to share the gospel and witness to everybody that we come in contact with, I understood all that, but then I started to realize there's a system here that Praise Chapel has, that Pastor Omar has, that he wants to plant churches, and Mind you, I had just walked in, and I think he already knew that he was going to plant a church. I had just walked in just before the first harvest, I think it was the first harvesters conference. And he, and he was already, I think he already in his mind, he knew he was planting a church. And so I was like, wow, you know. And then I got to see it happen. And when it happened, everybody started to cry. And I realized, man, this church is weird, man. This is what they wanted, what they've been preaching about. And all of a sudden, everybody's crying about it. You know, and so fast forward like 10 years, you know, we've launched like several churches out. Pastor Omar's launched several churches out now. And every time he's launched out of church, somebody is crying. 
I'll tell you a story. I remember when Angel Flores got sent out. Hit me like a ton of bricks. And you know what was funny about that is that was always the plan was to get him, and we were in youth ministry together, and I was one of his leaders, and that was always part of the plan. Hey, you know, we got we to gotta serve, you know, got to help Angel with the youth, and, you know, he's going to get sent out one day. He's going to have his own church, and then what happened? You start crying, you're like, what are we going to do? He's gone. This is horrible. This is a terrible feeling. Who's going to take over? Everyone starts looking at each other. All the leaders are like, it's not me. I ain't taking over. That's a lot of work. I'm not angel. You know, and, and then you start to realize, man, what is going to happen? And really you catch a vision that the kingdom of God has a purpose, therefore it's going to force progress. And that's what I really want to talk about today is that God's kingdom has purpose, therefore progress takes place. And I'm going to talk about a, a, maybe a word that some of you are uncomfortable with, but it's called change. And sometimes that progress hurts a little bit. Sometimes that progress is going to be, you know, you're going to have a bigger expectation. You may think, how am I going to do this? What is the next step? What am I supposed to do? Pastor Omar may come to you and say, hey, I need you to take over this ministry. I need you to do this. And there's a progress, there's a progression that happens. I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'll get to my sermon. I promise Stories just start coming to me. I remember I was ushering for 12 years in this church, okay? I know that's a very long time. It's like, what are you doing? You're not, you know, you're, you want me to tell the other story? You told me not to. Okay. I got two stories and not a lot of time, okay? So let me tell you this story, all right? Uh, I'll I'll tell this one first, okay? So Mike gets sent out, right? So when Mike gets sent out, I get, I get Pastor Mike Hernandez. Thank you, Pastor. Pastor Mike Hernandez gets sent out, reclaim. Amen, reclaim. Go ahead, you could cheer about that because they're going to have their first service on Sunday. And you know what? I love to be a part of, of a church that does that, man. Reclaim's going to have their first service this Sunday. They already had their service. It was a soft opening this past Sunday. And man, are they blessed. But anyways, Mike was getting sent out, Okay. And so uh, Pastor Omar had asked me, hey, you know, why don't you come to this meeting? You know, it's a ministry meeting. I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll come, you know. And I get there, and we're setting up tables and stuff. And, you know, there's, there's a little bit of small talk and just joking around with each other. And, you know, Mike's like, you know, what are you guys going to do when I leave? And I'm like, you know, I don't know, Mike. That's, that's scary, man. I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm kind of freaking out about that. You do a lot here. You know, and, and then Pastor Omar goes, He looks at Mike, he goes, what do you mean? And then he just starts laughing uncontrollably at Mike. And he goes, yeah, our church is really going to fold because Mike's not here. And he starts ripping Mike. Inside, I'm like, well, who is going to take over? Is that why I'm at this meeting? You know, like, and so... He just ripping Mike, and Mike's like kind of getting quiet, and he's kind of keeping his words to himself. He's like, "All right, you know, oh no, the building's gonna burn down, Praise Chapel Paramount," and he's laughing uncontrollably, starting to turn red, and I'm like, "You're so mean." He's like, "Yeah, what are we gonna do? Mike's leaving. What are we gonna do?" 
oh God, no, the Lord, the kingdom. And I'm literally inside, I'm like, what are we going to do? Like, does somebody have an answer? But we freak out, man. You know, I remember I asked her for 12 years. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I start telling my wife, you know, I, I just feel a lot of pressure. I got to step out. And, you know, there, there's a lot of other things I need to take care of. And, you know, the pastors need me here. I'm trying to do this. And I'm just starting to realize, you know, maybe I, I'm in the way. And so I prayed about it. And, and I felt like exactly that. I felt, you know, I'm in the way. And I tried to process and what exactly is God telling me is that you're in the way because there's somebody else that needs to take your spot. And I'm like, well, there's nobody that can do it. There's just, I'm the guy. I'm the, you know, I'm the faithful one. I got to be here. You know, and I'm like, and I started to realize, well, you know, you've, you've trained this guy. You've trained this guy. You've trained this guy. You've trained this guy. Now it's time to get out of the way. And again, when there's purpose, there's progress. Amen? And it's like that throughout history. The Bible is a history book, if you didn't know that. It's one of the oldest history books known to man. And there's progression inside that book. Literal progression of, and communication between humanity and God and how it's really changed throughout time. For example, the Israelites are a good example. You can read the Old Testament and think, wow, these people are not listening. How do you know that kind of relates to today? No matter, it's timeless. The Bible is living text. It's timeless. That means that it's actually applicable for today. And so in the Old Testament, we get Moses, right? You get Moses, and Moses, is what was his biggest thing? Was lead the people out of the promised land and get them, you know, get them into their own land, right? So that way they're not under tyranny. They're not under the Egyptians. They're not under slavery anymore. You got to free the people. See, in order for them to be free, they had to be oppressed. Okay, I want you to catch that. In order for them to be free, there had to be oppression. So the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that Moses comes and he rescues them and he helps with God's help, of course. He gets them out of Egypt. Then he gives them the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were there to serve. This is how we should honor God. This is how we should do things. We shouldn't do these things, right? It's a lot of do not, okay, if you guys didn't know that. But you get the Ten Commandments, right? But unfortunately, if you read your Bible and you know it, that wasn't good enough. God kind of said, hey, here's ten, but guess what? You're not getting any of them right. It was just ten at the time, right? But you couldn't get it right, so what does he do? He starts sending prophets in. And he says, you know what? God is going to speak to humanity through the prophets. So now the Jews and the Israelites are kind of like, hey, you know what? The, our authority comes from God. He uses the law, the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and he uses the prophets to speak to us. That is the ultimate authority in life. It comes from uh, the law and the prophets. Okay, so the Jews naturally gravitated to believing in only the law and the prophets. And then change comes along. Because why? It wasn't enough. How many of you guys know that we just keep asking God for stuff? Right? We just keep asking God for stuff. And we don't realize where the authority comes from in our life. When you accepted Christ, you've asked him to be your authority. Okay? And so some of us are still like, hey, what's up with the law and the prophets? Or let me talk to my authority, my other authority. It could be anything. It could be your job. It, it, it could be your fa a family member. It could be an addiction. 
Whatever authority you allow in your life, that can influence you and that can cause you to do actions that you're probably not supposed to be doing. It could be an influential friend. You know, you, you just connect with somebody and they may not be the holiest person. They may have a negative influence in your life, right? It could be something like that. But when you accepted Christ, you accepted a new authority in your life. And that authority is Jesus. That means you actually have to listen to him. That means you actually have to pray to him. You have to have a relationship with him. And that authority is supposed to guide you. And it's supposed to lead you. But unfortunately, we fall short in that. Just like the Israelites. Sometimes we say, you know what? It may not be enough. And that's sad because we have the Holy Spirit. We have everything. At our fingertips. We have it all. But sometimes we tell them, it's just not enough. So, so that's where it comes in where you're having a hard time coming to church. You have a hard time picking up your Bible. You have a hard time worshiping God. You're fighting with your spouse all the time. You know, you're, you'd rather be somewhere else, hanging out with other people, you know, whatever it may be. It could be in a bar. It could be in a club, whatever it may be. That's where the struggle comes in because you think Jesus is not enough and he has no authority in your life. And when you can accept that Jesus is the authority, that's where you start to feel conviction. That's where you start to feel the Spirit begin to push you into progression. Because that's how the kingdom of God is. It's a, progress, it's a progression. I'm going to read you a story, and it's, it's probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. Okay, It's Matthew chapter 17, and it's called the Transfiguration. And this is a point in time where everyone's going to realize that Jesus is the authority. He is the ultimate authority, okay? So if you, um, if you guys turn to Matthew chapter 17, I'm going to start in verse 1, and I'm just going to read through this, okay? It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, John, the brother of James, and led him up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. So let's stop there real quick. So now we see Jesus, and he's kind of in this rare form. You know, he's kind of in this holy form of this beam of light is, is just beaming from him. And, and all of a sudden, it, it, something's taking place here, right? So let's continue to read. In verse 3, just then there appeared to be before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Moses, the one that gave the Ten Commandments, Elijah representing the prophets, okay? Verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. You look at that verse, those right there are three pillars to authority at the time. They're thinking, hey, you know what? Moses is the authority. He represented the law. And Elijah was the authority. He represented the prophets who spoke God's words. But they were talking with Jesus. See, the weird thing about this part, guys, is Jesus is like, this is like 600 years later. And Jesus is standing with people that are passed away already. They're gone. But Jesus is standing with them now. Imagine that. They see that, and it's like, Wow. Look who's here. Everybody's here. Everybody with authority. Every, every teacher, everybody that God put in front of us that we look up to is here right now. Verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's very important you catch this church. 
He said, listen to Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate authority, amen? Verse 6, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. He said, get up, he said, and do not be afraid. See, sometimes I'm going to stop there because I feel something here. Sometimes we get scared of the power of God. Sometimes we get scared of the authority of God. Sometimes we get scared of being accountable by God. And sometimes we get scared, so scared that it limits our progression. But Jesus is saying here, do not be afraid. Verse 8, when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And so now it's just Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone, anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. There's a little foreshadowing there for those of you literature guys. Okay, because we can see what happens, right? We all know what happens with Jesus, right? The Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Verse 10, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands, talking about the atonement, the crucifixion. Then the disciples understood what he was talking to them about John the Baptist. Church, it's important for you to understand that Jesus is your number one authority in life. That things have progressed. At this time when they saw this, they realized, you know what? It is no longer just about Moses. It's no longer just about Elijah, the law, the prophets. Jesus has come to change the authority in my life. God himself proved that Jesus was that authority by saying, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. So what authority is in your life? Did it have a moment like that where God said it plainly, listen to him? Because we can listen to so many different things, right? We can listen to everything. Social media has got you listening real hard, right? When you go home, hey, Maybe even right now when I'm talking, someone's got social media up. I'm sure they do. That can be very boring. I, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I, think, I think now that I, as I'm getting older, I'm not trying to date myself here, and I'm hanging out with somebody, I try to, like, turn off my phone and put it over. Because if a notification comes, who's the authority? It's like, oh, hey, notification? That was my phone? You ever do that? Someone's like, oh, was that me? It's like, does it matter? We're hanging out right now. You know? But again, there's progression, guys. There's progression in your life, and you need to let your faith lead that progression. See, a lot of the times we feel, you know what? I have faith. I believe in Jesus. Yeah, but are you allowing the faith to do something in your life? Because we could sit in church, guys. We could sit in church, and this is from a brother. I'm your brother. We could sit in church, and we could say, hey, you know what? I believe in Jesus. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here on Easter. We could do all that and make us feel better. But I'm going to be honest with you, if you're not letting your faith do something, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Because, because the kingdom of God, is, it doesn't mean that you just sit there all day and get to hear people yell at you. That's not, that's not what God really had planned for you. I'm just going to be honest. These, these things that we, that we preach from the pulpit, they serve a purpose, and that purpose is going to require progression. Amen? I'm going to show you some more progression. You guys want to see some more progression? 
So now I showed you that Jesus kind of took over his authority. Guess what else happens? Just the day before, Judas is going to betray him. Okay, we all have seen the movie? Yeah, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Judas is going to betray him. Okay, the day before, he has a meeting with the disciples in the upper room. It's famous, famous scene. Okay, and in this upper room, he kind of starts washing their feet, right? And, and just bear with me, guys, because I'm kind of just going through it quickly. He's kind of washing their feet, and he's, he tells them, look, I, I, I'm going to leave. And they're like, what the heck? You're going to leave us? What for? Who's going to do this stuff? What's going to happen? If you leave, the miracles are going to stop. Who's going to tell us about God? How are we going to keep our salvation? All these questions come into play because Jesus is leaving. And so could you imagine if Jesus told you, hey, I'm going to leave you? Ooh, that wouldn't be good. Lord, didn't you die for me? Now you're going to leave? Right? But he's going to leave. But here's what he says in John chapter 16, verse 7. He says this. This is what he tells them. But very, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This is pretty powerful stuff. If you guys didn't know who the advocate was, for the Bible scholars out there, who is that? Very good, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to leave. I'm going to separate myself. It's, it's, it's done. Everything I've done, everything I've taught you is enough. And now you're going to have to rely on the, the Holy Spirit. Guess what that means? That means you got to do work. Jesus is like, hey, I kind of did all this already so you could see that and you could see how I live. You need to do work now. How many of you know in order for the Holy Spirit to move in your life, you, you got to do some work? You got to pray, right? You got to be around other people that have the Holy Spirit, okay? That's a good thing. You should hang out with people that, you know, that have the Holy Spirit. It'll help you, okay? And, and I remember uh, early on, I... We were in prayer meetings early on when I first started coming to the church, and one guy goes, who doesn't speak in tongues here? Put my head down, right? And I'm like, uh, I don't speak in tongues. And they're like, all right, everyone get around him. And I'm like, okay, let's see what happens here. Everyone starts praying for me like I was this terrible sinner. And uh, I didn't speak in tongues that day. I'll be honest with you. I didn't. But I started to be around people that did speak in tongues. People started to pray for me because they knew that I didn't speak in tongues. Started, and I'll t- I, I kid you not, I started to speak in tongues. And it's because of the people that I'm around. It's because people are doing it and they're praying for me. So if you speak in tongues, you should pray for people. Because they may get that. The Holy Spirit may hit them with that. Amen? And so, again, you have to ask for that. It requires work, the Holy Spirit, to move in your life. You actually have to be accountable. In other words, in order for the Holy Spirit to move in your life, you have to accept Christ as the ultimate authority in your life. And you have to believe that the kingdom of God is a progressing kingdom. In other words, Jesus had to leave, guys, so the Spirit can come. If he was there too long, they would just rely on him too much. But now he's saying, look, I want you to do work. 
I want you to have a relationship. I'm going to leave so I can show you what I can do with you. That's God communicating to humanity. Okay? So in other words, there's no more spoon feeding. See, when Jesus was here, you know, it'd be great. Like, hey, Jesus, can you preach on Wednesday? Because if not, Rob's going to have to preach again, you know. You should preach on Wednesday, you know. And that would mean like, hey, every church is kind of waiting for Jesus to show up because he never left. No, he left so we can have this. We can rely on the Holy Spirit so that we can minister across the world at the same time. That was part of the plan. But there's no more spoon feeding. You have to go make your own food. See, Jesus wants that. God wants a relationship with you so he can use you. In the same way, sometimes you need to let something go. Just like Jesus said, hey, I got to step aside. Some of you need to make decisions tonight to let something go. Because you're distracted or you have something that is withholding you. There's another authority kind of... It's like a speed bump to your progression in the kingdom. It's distracting you from your faith. And really, when you walk in here, your faith should be the first thing that you're thinking about. And so, again, we can go on and on and on. And I could tell you that, you know what, if you're not living out your faith, you're going to go dry. You're going to walk away. And progression is a serious thing because we are in the kingdom. We believe in kingdom business in this church. So one day I won't be in this building. One day you may not be in this building. One day I will not be preaching in front of you. One day we may need you to close the service and do offering. One day the atmosphere may look different. One day we may not have all these lights, right? Things are going to change. One day your friends may leave this church. That's a big one. I see a lot of that. Where someone leaves a church and all of a sudden it's like a domino effect. Now so-and-so wants to leave the church. And it's like, well, what's going on here? Well, we've been friends for so long. It's like, well, you can make new friends. You can make new friends in church. Can you believe that? There are people that need friends in this church. And we're like, well, I like those friends. Those ones over there. You know, sometimes God wants you to be friends with somebody else. You know, I have to make new relationships all the time. You know, I, I'm very thankful. I have some new, I'm going to tell you, 2019 has been good to me. I got some great relationships, some really good friends that I didn't even talk to in 2018 that are in this church, and it's like, wow, where have you been? You think like me. Or, you know, you care about the kingdom like I do. You know, and, and it's like, hey, sometimes you got to get out of your bubble a little bit. Go talk to some new friends. Go make some new friends. Because sometimes that's what, we, that's what we rely on. Quick story. Pastor Omar asked me to be a leader. I'm like, I don't know if I can do it. Why can't you do it? I just, I don't know. I, you know, I've been in youth ministry. I was making all these excuses. You know, I got kids trying to find a crutch. You know? No, I'm just kidding. I actually told him right away, yeah, I'll do it. And then I kind of complained to everybody else, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But in front of Pastor Omar, of course, man. <laughs> Got it, dude. <laughs> and so I started asking myself, can I really do this? You know, my kids are young. I, excuse after excuse, you know. And then, I kid you not, I take over the Bible study. I'm living in like a 600-square-foot apartment. And I'm taking over somebody's Bible study, okay. Some of you know the history. I'm not going to get into it. And I kid you not, 
like two weeks in, people were like, you know what? I'm going to go to a different Bible study. And so I'm sitting there like, all right. Well, have fun. You'll be back. And so it's a true story, okay? So people start dropping like flies in my Bible study, okay? And so I'm like, man, what's going on here, you know? Maybe I'm just not doing things right. Start overanalyzing it. You know, maybe it's my hair. Maybe it's, maybe it's my 600-square-foot apartment in Long Beach because it's far. You know, and the enemy starts messing with you, and he, he starts to play with you. And, um, you know, I'm learning how to be a leader at the time, but everybody expects you to be a pastor. Just how it is. For you leaders out there, that's for you. But, you know, again, you're just learning, right? You're, you're kind of you're getting into it. Uh, I had seen it done before. I've had some great leaders above me, and, and, and man, they made me the man I am today, a lot of them, and I praise God for them. And, um, and so, you know, they started, they started leaving, leaving my Bible study. So I had to go get new friends. I remember Pastor Omar used to preach, like, every Sunday, he would say, if you need a friend, go be a friend. That was the best advice I heard from the pulpit ever. At the time, I was like, you know, I need to go make some new friends. So I started making new friends. And, and, and you know what? It, people started to try to come back. And I had to tell them, you know what? Unfortunately, there's just no room in here for you. It's not going to work out. Sorry, man. Don't know what to tell you. PCBI is on Tuesdays. Come there. You're going to get some teaching. You know, I get it. I started getting text messages from other people. I want to be, uh, dude, you were, you were in it. You left. I don't got time for this anymore. And, you know, again, it's just one of those things where people feel like, I don't have my friends or so-and-so's not my leader anymore. So what? Stop being spoon-fed. Stop being spoon-fed. Changes are going to take place. And yeah, you know, yeah, we're talking about Easter, we're thinking about harvesters is right around the corner. There's going to be some kind of change. I don't know what it is. I promise you there's probably going to be a change. It always happens. I've been here that long. It's not like, oh, maybe nothing's going to happen and everything's going to be merry and we're just going to be having fun again. It's No, something's going to happen because God wants it to happen. I'm being honest with you guys. Something's going to happen. There's going to be a change. And so sometimes we need to deal with a difficult change. And don't, that should not rattle your faith. It doesn't matter who your leader is. You cannot be spoon-fed. You cannot be enabled. You guys with me? You cannot be enabled. Sometimes we need to be tough on you. Sometimes we need to tell you things that you may not want to hear. And sometimes, and trust me, guys, I've been told stuff that I did not want to hear. I got like four stories right now, but with no time to tell you guys those stories. <laughs> sometimes you got to do things when you don't want to do things, and you got to do them somebody else's way. Imagine that. Sometimes you feel like doing things in vain, and you think it's a waste of time. Sometimes the enemy's going to make you feel like nobody cares, when everyone cares. We are a progressing church, and sometimes there's pain behind that progression, but I'm here to tell you as your brother, 
Don't be spoon-fed. Learn how to feed yourself. Because there's going to be times that you're going to need to feed yourself. You're going to need to rely on the Word of God and not a sermon. You're going to need to rely on worshiping God here so you could take that home because maybe you're doing a Bible study on a Friday night. Or maybe you're leading an outreach. Or maybe we need you on the platform. Or maybe you need to be back in production or helping out with social media. Progression, church. Progression is something that we want. It's something that our faith should feed us. And if your faith is not, if your faith is not feeding you that, then you need to get right. You need to get ready for it. Start preparing your faith now for that. I'm reminded, if you could have, you could have the worship team come up here. I'm reminded, I'm going to close with this story. <clears throat> and I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories is the prodigal son. If you guys don't know the story, I'll just kind of go quickly over it. You had, two bro- you had two sons, right? Father had two sons. One of the sons comes up to him and says, you know what? I want my inheritance. I want to be gone. I want to do things my way. So the father's like, you know, a little sad about it. What, what do you mean you want to do things your way? I'm here to help you. You know, and he's like, no, no. I want my inheritance. I want it now. So his father, as gracious as he is, he gives him his inheritance, okay? And it was a lot. So he takes it with him, and he begins to travel. And the Bible says he starts to spend it on lavish things. He starts to just kind of be reckless with his inheritance. And as he's beginning to be reckless, he looks back, and he realizes he sees the image of himself. He's eating what the pigs are eating because he's starving. He had spent everything. He had gotten rid of his inheritance, and he just spent everything. He got rid of it. So he's in a vulnerable place. So now he has to make a decision. What do I do? Do I continue just to steal food from these pigs? Or do I, can, do I go back? Do I actually go back to my father and tell him what I did? And so he makes that decision to go back. And so this is what, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us this story. Luke chapter 15, verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So he's feeling some guilt there. Verse 22, he says, But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Our perception sometimes, we think, that we are so sinful and so afraid to go before God that it limits our faith. When God says, hey, look, I know exactly what you're going through. I know about your anxiety. I know about your depression. I know about the things that are going on in your family. I know that your marriage isn't good. I know about your addiction. I know that you've fallen away from me. But I'm here to still celebrate with you. I'm still here to progress your soul. I'm still here to stretch your faith. I'm still here to give you purpose. Church, I don't come to church to, you know, for a title. I don't come to church so I can preach or be on a platform. I come to church because God saved me. 
Jesus saved me. And I recognize that he is the true authority in my life. And that because of that, my faith pushes me to progress. My church pushes me to progress. The people around me push me to progress. It's okay to come to God scared and afraid. Because he'll tell you exactly what he told Peter. He said, get up and don't be afraid. Come to God scared and let your faith progress you. See, church, I think a lot of the times our fear limit what we can do. It limits what God wants to do in your life. And in Galatians 6, 9, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so some of you, I'm sure, I'm sure of it, are afraid or feel like giving up or feel like you don't belong here or feel like I'm not like this person and you compare yourself to others. And in reality, God wants to do something with you. I believe we're all here for a purpose. You're here on a Wednesday night. What are you doing? Don't be here and just say, hey, I want to be here because I want to sit down and I want to hear a good message. Be here with an actionable faith that God is going to do something in your life. Amen? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to make this call. For those of you that may not know what I'm talking about or, or maybe it's foreign to you, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus saves. And as we come up on Easter Sunday, and we're going we're gonna to recognize what we call the atonement. And that atonement means that Jesus died on the cross. He rose on the third day. And that he saved us from our sins. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.